This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is a highly speculative asset. I do own Bitcoin. There is no second best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, proudly brought to you by the Bamboo app. Crypto Curious is your go-to source for all things cryptocurrency. Whether you're a seasoned pro or new to the world of crypto, we've got you covered. Each week, we'll break down the top news stories of the past seven days, giving you the information you need to stay on top of the latest trends and developments. Plus, we'll share with you some quick bites of news and insights that you won't want to miss. If you're new to crypto, we recommend starting at the earlier episodes where we break down the basics and give you a solid foundation to understand the crypto world. Join us as we explore the ever-evolving world of cryptocurrency and educate ourselves along the way. Let's dive in together and discover the exciting potential of crypto. I'm joined by my mates Blake and Craig on the show today as we look at the crypto news. Hi boys, welcome to the show. Hey Trace, hey Craig. G'day guys, what's happening? It's been another exciting week in the crypto news space and we're going to open the show and go back a little bit to last week where we spoke about the market because everyone seemed to love that. We got lots of comments um, in the Facebook page and uh, via email to say that they liked us speaking about the market. So we're going to do that a bit more and bring a bit of the market talk into things. But what we did talk about was um, the price action and we touched on whether we were still in a bear market or whether we were going into a bull market. I think, um, Blake, you, you thought we were potentially still in a bear market, correct? Yeah, I thought, I think we're still, you know, I don't, I'm not really sure if the momentum in the market has shifted. Uh, we could be close, but I think it's better to look at it at longer timeframes instead of shorter timeframes. So yeah, we've seen the momentum shift in the last month or so, mm-hmm. but is that a long-term momentum shift? It's not quite clear, I don't think. Well, you touched on something good there because we do need to look at those l- longer time frames. And there was actually an article came out this week that was a well-known analyst named Rect Capital. I actually follow this guy. He's pretty cool. And he said that we're actually only one week away now from officially being out of a bear market uh, and back into a bull market. So, Craig, you'd be pretty happy with this call? Well, I just assume that we're always in a bull market because I just can't be bothered <laughs> being in a bear market. And eventually I'll be right. So that's good. Yeah. But Rect Capital Trace, he is a Twitter trader. He has like 350,000 followers, pretty well renowned on the Twitter sphere, crypto Twitter. He says that the pair's recent gains of BTC slash USD puts it above a macro downtrend that was in place since the 2021 all-time highs. And the March close would be the first potential candle to complete above that trend line on monthly timeframe. So he's saying the chart's looking bullish for the first time since um, late 2021, which was obviously the top. Should that be the case, the cycle low would have occurred 
in November 2022, which was the FTX shit show when Bitcoin wicked down to 15,600. So let the bull run commence. Blake, what do you think? Uh, I, I love your enthusiasm. And <laughs> yeah, it certainly could be the case that crypto, uh, the momentum shift where we're slowly coming out of the bear market, but I still think it's going to be take a long time for the market to develop the momentum that it needs to really um, be in a new bull run. Um, so I think uh, let's not get too excited. <laughs> oh, there you go, Blake, raining on our parade. So <laughs> we are still going to finish with that green candle, but we have had a little bit of a pullback overnight. So let's look at that uh, news overnight, boys, that did spook the market and we'll move on to our next story. Binance, the world's leading crypto exchange by trading volume, and its CEO, Zhang Penzhou, uh, was sued on Monday by the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, or CFTC, in the US, Craig. Yes, that's right. So the US regulator alleged that CZ, which is the Binance CEO, he's very well renowned, he also took down FTX, if you, if you guys remember, Um the US regulator says that Binance violated trading and derivative rules, according to a lawsuit filed in Chicago Federal Court. CZ responded to the lawsuit's announcement by tweeting four, which is a bit cryptic because he tweeted in January, you know, a bunch of reasons to just keep moving in the crypto market. And number four in those reasons was ignore FUD, fake news and attacks. This isn't the first time Binance have been in hot water with the US. They attempt to be going at it. Like, can you explain what's gone wrong? Yeah, of course. So the lawsuit alleges that Binance has operated a facility for trading digital asset derivatives in the US, um, allowing for residents to trade futures and swaps and options of crypto. And the exchange is actually meant to prevent US citizens from um, accessing the Binance platform, particularly using these derivative and kind of like sophisticated products. So CZ, the CEO, uh, and the employees at the exchange knew they were required to register Binance with the CFTC, apparently apparently, after soliciting customers in the US. And the lawsuit claims that they have all chosen to ignore the requirements and undermined Binance's ineffective compliance program. Now, there's just probably a couple of things to say here. Firstly, I don't believe that US um, citizens were able to just sign up and start using derivative products. It was, if they did, it was jumping through hoops. You needed to put a VPN on. Yeah. You needed to, yeah. you needed to really skirt the rules. And as well as that, Binance, in my personal experience with exchanges, have the most strict compliance program. Us as a business have onboarded with many exchanges, um, international and national. And by far, the compliance program at Binance is probably five times more in-depth than anyone else's. So, you know, I'm surprised to hear that um, there's these allegations of, of, of not very much compliance. Yeah. Yeah. No, I will agree with that. Definitely hear that their onboarding process is very thorough, um, you know, individual and and through business. But they did, they did mention that, um, that they went into detail around Binance assisting users to obscure their lo- location and use a VPN, going as far as to say that they're assisting users to do that, which I find, you know, a little bit ridiculous. But they're also saying that the Binance executive team was not disclosing their location and being a little bit untowards as to um, or avoiding regulation in the US. So it is a bit sticky. Um, look, we, we, we've known for a long time that the US regulators have been going after Binance. So we'll see w- w- where it goes. Craig, what, what else are you thinking? Look, I'm not getting FTX vibes. 
but some things are coming to light on Twitter from people, you know, reading into the actual release from that regulator. And some of the bad looks are that Binance were using Signal, which is an app that has auto-delete messages to have, you know, group chats are called finance, HR, marketing, CEO, only on Signal with auto-delete on. And that's been seized. So that's obviously not secure. Um, but not the greatest look for a company that's worth hundreds of billions potentially. So so does this really even matter to them because it's just the US, you know, they're going after them for, you know, they're going after them from ill-gotten gains from 2019 and they want Binance out of the US. So Well, their global business is headquartered in the Cayman Islands. So they're obviously getting creative, but um, it's... I think this is a very much a watch this space sort of story. This is just broken overnight and hopefully we don't hear much about it again, but I get the sense that it's not over and it's just starting. I, I think you're right. This is going to be a big story and we'll keep you all up to date and perhaps the US would like a US uh, exchange uh, that's running things over there, which leads me into our, our next story. What was to be our biggest piece of news for the week until the Binance story broke? Same story, same type of line. It's the US war on crypto and another story that will play out in the press this year. Coinbase and the SEC are having some words, ladies and gentlemen. Last week, the US and the SEC issued a Wells notice to Coinbase. Blake, can you give us the lowdown on what a Wells notice is and let us know how Brian Armstrong from Coinbase reacted. Yeah, so a Wells notice is a notice from the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission in the US, um, who has informed uh, Coinbase that uh, they intend to bring an enforcement action against them for their lending and yielding products that they had on their platform. Now, what's really interesting about this is that Coinbase has um, is traditionally known as such a strong player, like trying to comply with regulation. They're NASDAQ listed, they're audited. Um, they're really trying to be, you know, such a, a really good actor in the ecosystem. Um, and they've been working with the SEC for the last couple of years, meeting with them, I think over, it was over 30 times, taking them through their product. In the product. last nine months, 30 yeah, times, yeah. 30 times, taking them through their product, showing them how it works, how it fits within regulation. And now um, they've received this. So it's obviously a surprise for Coinbase, or maybe not, I'm not really sure. Um, but you know, it just goes to show the erratic behavior from from the regulators when the industry wants to be regulated and work with regulators. And we're not just seeing that in the US, we're also seeing that here in Australia from our regulator. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be interesting how this plays out, but um, it's very, very, it just highlights how challenging it is for crypto businesses to be compliant when there's so little guidance from the regulators. Yeah. And I think right now, if you do use Twitter, Brian Armstrong is extremely active on there right now. So it's very good to keep up with. But he actually made a really good analogy, which I read and I loved. He said, he obviously posted about the Wells Notice and someone said, can you explain this in NFL terms, which is a bit of a meme on crypto Twitter. He says, imagine you've got both football and soccer refs on the field, but we're actually playing pickleball, which is the fastest growing new sport in America. The refs can't really agree on the rules of this new game and one of them decides to change a call they made back in April 2021. So <laughs> deciphering that, he's saying like obviously they've got a bunch of trad fire guys, regulators. No idea what they're doing. In the field. We're trying to play pickleball, like just let the boys play, but they can't agree on the rules and this is... What it's feeling like. Yeah, and it's led to extreme volatility with the Coinbase stock, which as we know is one of the only, if 
not the only publicly listed crypto exchange. Um, so it's turning into a bit of a hairy one. And look, he's so well spoken, Brian Armstrong. I've got a lot of time for him. Listen to him talking a lot of really amazing podcasts as well. And just a day after this, Brian actually stated that the exchange intends to start donating to pro crypto candidates in US uh, elections and talking about how important it is to have a voice, you know, in these so that we can talk about, you know, exactly where, you know, things should should be in the state of crypto. So he's putting he's putting his money where his mouth is. And and just in reflection. You know, there's so many interests in the US. You know, the regulators have their own interest. There's lobbyists. There's, you know, there's there's politicians and, and other representatives and all these businesses that are all pushing for their own version of regulation. There's feel like there's no adults in the room trying to figure out how do we actually, you know, create um, a vibrant environment for business to prosper. And a level playing field. Yeah. Absolutely. Again, this story will be another one that plays out over time and we'll certainly keep you up to date. Another story we talked about uh, with you last week was the Arbitrum airdrop, and we said that we'd give you an update when this happened. So the Layer 2 bridging solution that was going to do the airdrop token to its users who'd been interacting with the platform um, over the last 18 months. Craig, you were really excited about this project, and we were all eagerly awaiting to see how this played out last Friday night, late in the um, hours of the evening. Unfortunately, things didn't go quite as smoothly as planned, so this anticipation airdrop finally went live um, and the project's homepage crashed and, and annoyed thousands of people waiting to receive their airdrops. Craig, tell us how you felt when this happened. <laughs> oh, I felt extremely let down. I stayed up to 1am, 101 clicks, website down. I just thought, I'm going to bed. That was a, <laughs> I could have got a lot more hours of sleep. But obviously it went off eventually without a hitch. People couldn't claim I would say for about 24 hours, it had to sort of be spread out. Um, so no one could claim it all? No one could claim or it a all. Few a few people Actually, you know what? One person, which has been um, documented on Twitter, managed to manually claim them from the smart contract and he managed to get a sale around $8 for an Arbitrum, which is... Wow. Yeah. So that's the big that's... spikes that you see on the chart. That's only a few people because you couldn't trade at that price at all because you couldn't claim. But it eventually worked, which is great. And they sort of released some numbers after. I said last week that 800,000 people interacted. I actually got that wrong. It's 2 million people interacted with Arbitrum, but only 800,000 were eligible. Yeah, is that 2 million people or 2 million addresses, Craig? Because I know yes. you shifty airdropper farmers have 50 bloody wallets each. <laughs> 2 million addresses, <laughs> 2 million addresses. So what happened though? You're saying it went off without a hitch 24 hours later, but what happened at the time that- When 800,000 people, jump onto a website or a chain to do something at once, you know, of course it's going to crash. And people were, you know, talking shit about it, but I think, you know, that's never going to happen again, right? So Okay. So, Blake, tell us about what happened with the price action of the ARB token when this, this all went down. Yeah, I was just checking out the chart before and with these sorts of things, it's very, very volatile in a short period of time because no, there's a price discovery phase. People don't know whether it should be worth one cent, one dollar or ten dollars. And as you mentioned, Craig, some are being sold at eight dollars, some are being sold at fractions of a cent. So what we saw is obviously a big spike in people um, trying to buy, um, but not knowing, you know, whether what they were buying was value. Um, but then over time, obviously there was an overwhelming amount of sell pressure. Where's the price at now, Craig? It's at a dollar fifteen US. Mm-hmm. It's dumping. 
the people that have claimed it are selling. No, I'm hearing a lot of people saying that the fair price is, you know, between a dollar and two dollars at the moment. That sounds like seller words. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, folks. There's an update on the Arbitrum airdrop and token story for you. Following up now on the Eula hack story, another one from last week for you folks, the DeFi protocol, which had over $200 million stolen, which was about two weeks ago now. So it looks like now over half of the stolen funds have been returned. S worth nearly $90 million was returned to the lending protocol on March 25th, though the hacker still controls part of the stolen assets, Craig. That's right, Trey. So the Eula EUL tokens increased by 40% over the weekend. DGENs were pumping it after the hacker did return the funds, but the hacker also sent tens of millions of dollars of DAI stablecoins to another wallet. Eula had previously offered a $1 million bounty for the hacker to return 90% of the funds and the protocol has now suffered losses in DAI, wrapped Bitcoin, staked ETH and USDC or during the attack. So I was, I was just trying to look into this a bit further as to because obviously they didn't give 90% back. So they're not going to give them... No. The million dollars. But also... So you're going to get $100 million (laughs) back to get a million dollar bounty? Come on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, 40% pump, they only got half the funds back, but... Well, they could give more. You know, maybe they're trying to bait out a bigger bounty, Mm. um, you know, and, and using this as a form of goodwill. Hey, you know, we'll give you back another 50 mil if you give us five or 10 mil um, scot-free. Yeah. Does that mean they can track them now as well? They know where the money's come from potentially, you know, is... You know, can people sleuth it now to find out potentially who the hackers are? I feel like if you're sophisticated enough to to hack a DeFi protocol, you probably be ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, a happy ending of sorts. This just goes to show that these DeFi protocols are early, and you should be careful because that, that's that, that was a big protocol. You know, decent size, two hundred mil gone, one hacker, and now it's you know it's turned into a bit of a shit show. So we're still so early in the DeFi story. Okay. Well, look, that leads on very nicely to our next story, which is a little bit of a warning. An NFT trader has accidentally destroyed his own crypto punk that he purchased for 77 Ethereum, which is approximately 138,000. Brandon, poor Brandon, was trying to wrap his crypto punk in order to use it as collateral to get a loan on NFT.fi, a borrowing and lending platform for NFTs. So how did he destroy this, Craig? Well, Instead of using his own wallet address, he used the burned address. So that's the wallet that no one has access to, which means his punk is now gone forever. So he's, I don't know how he's done this, but unfortunately for Brandon, this is the wild west of crypto. There's no crypto punk support desk line to call like you're on your own. <laughs> you can't hit Vitalik up on you know, Twitter. Yeah. You know? But he's pleading to the good nature of the crypto punk founders to give him another punk out of the goodness of their heart. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. They're getting a lot of he's getting a lot of publicity, so who knows, maybe they will turn around. But yeah. Yeah. And just for everyone's record as well, um, the you know, when you send a, a transaction to an Ethereum address, um, you would it would generally be like 0x followed by a string of numbers, um, and a burn address is 0x followed by about 20 zeros. So if you ever see that, don't hit send. And that's why Ethereum name service, ENS, is so important as we move forward. You know, looking, instead of having a string of just numbers, you can, um, you know, use words instead, which will make it more manageable, but still it's, it's, it's a challenge. Oh, wise words from Blake. I feel so so bad for Brandon. He, he said, look, I, I'm really new to this. I didn't understand it. I thought I was... 
you know, checking things twice and doing it the right way. But And whenever I've sent a little bit of funds to someone, I just send like 0.01F just Check to it, make yeah. sure it lands. I always do that. Yeah. I always do that. Yeah, I believe Blake does. Absolutely. It's time for a break, folks. But when we come back, our short, sharp news bites. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back. You're listening to the Crypto Curious Podcast. And we're about to get into our short, sharp news bites for the week because there's always so much news in crypto land. We give you the extra stuff at the end of the show. So we've spoken about Binance already, but this one here, Binance suffered a two-hour spot market outage due to a software bug over the weekend. So those of you using Binance may have noticed this. And CZ described the event as unlucky before stating that the outage followed standard operating procedures. So there was a little bit of a flutter over Twitter and uh, the trader talks. But again, it was only a couple of hours and dealt with pretty quickly and didn't affect um, the market too much. All right, on to our next story. Billionaire Tim Draper, um, who bought tens of thousands of Bitcoins from the early seizure of the Mt. Gox um, hack, advises businesses to hold at least two payrolls worth of cash in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies to diversify their risk. This made some big headlines and splashes on social media. And Tim has always been famous for um, advocating for million-dollar Bitcoin one day. And um, he's been very consistent with that. So hopefully we achieve that one day. Thank you, Tim. Here's a good one for you. NASDAQ eyes crypto custody launch by the end of the second quarter. So that's going to be the end of 2023, which is pretty exciting. Um, They will join Fidelity, among other large financial firms, offering crypto safekeeping. And this is due to the fact of so many high-profile bankruptcies. So they're trying to bring some safeguarding to the space for these instos, Trace. Make them feel a little bit better about the world of crypto. Fair enough. Some Polygon news this week. Unstoppable Domains released Web3 domain names for the Polygon blockchain. So that one's pretty exciting for all those Polygon fans. And Korean gaming giant Nexon will work with Polygon for MapleStory, a universe of NFTs. So, yeah, every week there seems to be something uh, happening with Polygon. There we go. So what's the URL going to end with? Is it dot .poly? Like, I'm Polly. Polly I'm wants a cracker. Poly. Maybe, perhaps. <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs> All right. So Sony um, has filed a patent for NFT use, transfer, and sales. The newly published patent is called NFT Framework for Transferring and Using Digital Assets Between Game Platforms. This is cool. Um, so I'm surprised no one else has mm. uh, filed a patent on this, but I'm sure um, there's others out there that are that are quite similar. So Sony's NFT framework aims to integrate NFTs into gameplay with the technology representing skins and other popular in-game functionality. So uh, potentially lots of opportunities in their product development. Yeah, I think that's big news for Sony. So one of the world's biggest bulls, the El Salvadorian president, he's proposing a bill, guys, to eliminate all taxes on software and hardware technology innovations which would include crypto. So he wants to eliminate capital gains tax 
for those assets. So when are we moving to El Salvador, guys? All right, last bit of news. Heavyweights in the brand and marketing space globally, um, Animoca Brands, has announced that they are reducing their metaverse fund target from $2 billion to $800 million. So I popped this one in there because there's been a little bit of this in the last probably month when it comes to metaverse um, funding and targets and budgeting in general. So we've seen a bit of a cutback there. Well, think about it. The valuations have been slashed as well. <laughs> so they're probably getting the same amount of equity for that money. Is that, Yeah, that's right. Is this the fund that they're raising or the fund that they're, you know, they're trying, the targets they're trying to achieve in their fund? I thought it was the fund they're raising. Uh, okay. Well, that makes sense. It'd be very challenging to raise $2 billion in this environment. Um, but $800 million certainly makes is, – is massive, but it certainly makes sense. But do you know how far they are along that journey? No idea. Okay. Mm. We'll come back to you, folks. <laughs> and with that, we shall leave it there, folks. Thanks for joining us again this week. As always, if you'd like to add anything in or get in contact, podcast at getbamboo.io. Join us on social media, which includes the Instagram page or Facebook community page, which is uh, the Crypto Curious podcast. Please rate and review us in your app or follow along each week by clicking on the subscribe button wherever you're listening to us now. Please join us again next week. Bye for now. Bye, guys. See you, guys. Crypto Curious is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Crypto Curious are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act of 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.